Yeah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities for lower rates on loans, like for a car or home. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com slash build. That's Chime.com slash build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. It is uh, the hump day edition of The Yard. It's been, uh, been a busy stretch. Give you a brief update. I've already written the first two chapters of the new book. I might start chapter number three today. Maybe. We'll see. It's a process, man. It is. It takes a lot out of me, too. I'm not going to lie. And uh, let's see. On Monday, I wrote that uh, lengthy article about 100 years of Mississippi State baseball coaches. actually went a little bit deeper than that. But, um, so, yeah, I've been busy. But it does. It takes a lot out of me. It really does. Uh, especially writing about something so personal because you begin to wonder, hey, is this oversharing? Is this too much? But the reality of it is, is this is not a vanity project. This is a opportunity to help people gain some insight into the world of addiction and recovery. And so I'm not holding much back. I'm going to hold some things back, but not much. And the things that I hold back are things that are harmful to other people, right? There will be some people that will read this and probably think less of me, and I think most people will read it and think more of me, but that's not the purpose. You know, the purpose is that uh, there are a lot of people out there that get wrapped up in the throes of addiction and uh, begin to suffer from terminal uniqueness. We begin to think that uh, nobody has ever been through this. We're all alone in the world. Nobody's ever hurt like this. Nobody's ever been this lonely. And the reality of it is, is that uh, most of us have, that have dealt with chemical dependency. And so uh, I'm very fortunate to, uh, to be clean and sober. I was one of those kind of people and looking at this uh, app on my phone right now. 11,495 days, 377 months, 31 years since I've had a drink or drug. And yes, I am very proud of that. But uh, I would not have been able to make it through that without the love and support of uh, so many people, and in many cases, complete strangers. You know, people that I meet in a AA meeting or an NA meeting or something of that nature. And uh, spent a lot of time and effort, man, getting to this point. And I'll be honest with you, good friend and host wasn't always the best of people. I wasn't. But at the end of the day, I wasn't a bad person learning to be good. I was a sick person getting well. So... Going to write the book. Again, it's titled uh, When the Bottom Falls uh, because I was a guy. That's the thing, too, uh, that, uh, kind of a profound truth of addiction is people say, well, you know, they got to hit rock bottom. Uh, there is no such thing. 
It's a truism, but it's not true. It's a metaphor, but it's not true. You're like, oh, I was at, I was at the bottom. The only true bottom is death. Because you, things can always get worse. Always. And that was the case for me. I hit the bottom and I kept digging and digging and digging and digging. And so that's kind of you know, what it's about, really. It's about, uh, you know, the alarm clock goes off, but you keep hitting the snooze alarm. Sometimes you got to wake up and get to work, man. And uh, I was a sick puppy, man, in a lot of respects. My whole attitude about life was very negative. Um, I, I, the things that I enjoy today were things that I never dreamed of. You know, I first got clean and sober. And as I wrote in the book, I was so far away from where I needed to be that any step I took was in the right direction. And maybe you're feeling that way, or maybe you know somebody that does. And uh, guys, I'll tell you, I recently um, recently was contacted by a friend in recovery, and uh, they had relapsed. They reached out to me, and uh, I knew that it was a cry for help. And I am a doer of my word and not just a sayer of the word. So I went and got him. And the uh, very first thing he did when he saw me before I even got to him, he started crying. And I thought to myself, man, I know those tears. I know that feeling of desperation. I know that feeling of shame when you feel like you've let people down and disappointed people. But most of all, yourself. You, you think so little of yourself. You think, man, how could I do this? Especially when I put together you know, a nice little stretch of clean time, right? I mean, uh, they say the disease is cunning, baffling, powerful. And I'm not going to spend my time uh, riding this horse, shall we say. But uh, it is. And uh, one of the things that I would say, one of the things that we get so caught up in are these debates that go nowhere, especially when it comes to addiction. As a guy that uh, is an addict and has dealt with this my entire life, I feel like I've got some uh, credibility in the room. And there are so many people who say, well, you know, it's a choice. Okay. Does that make your loved one any better off? Well, they, they made a choice. You know, they made a choice to get involved in this stuff. Well, okay, do you ever drink a beer? Well, yeah, well, you made a choice. You made a choice to drink it knowing the consequences, and maybe you were able to handle it, but some of us aren't. That's not to make an excuse, but we're all wired a little bit differently. We metabolize alcohol differently. It's true. And for many of us, there is some pain we simply can't process. And so drugs and alcohol become a bit of a remedy for us. And in time, they become our poison. But nobody ever aspires to be a drug addict. Nobody ever wakes up and says, you know what? I'd, I'd like to be an addict. I'd like to steal money out of my mom's purse. I'd like to be a prostitute. I'd like to lose all of my stuff and have all these single-serving friends and people that are conspirators in my own demise. Nobody wakes up and decides to do that. Who would choose that life? That's what happens is we make these choices uh, to pursue vicarious pleasure that uh, without fully appreciating the potential consequences. We think it won't happen to us. And some of you are fortunate enough it didn't. But some of us it does. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how we got in the situation. It's how we get out. But you made a choice. Okay. Well, sue me. Does that mean you're going to give up on me because I made a bad decision? I'm not. And I'll, I'll share this with you, too, before we uh, change the topic here. If anyone that you love is ever impacted by addiction, 
whether it be alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, whatever, do not surrender them. Do not just say, well, you know what? They made their bed. I'm going to let them lay in it. You know, I'm a firm believer in tough love. People have to deal with some consequences. But I'd rather put up with the trouble and the drama and save your life, if I can, than lose you. And I remember a time in my life when uh, I went to family week, and I, I'll, I'll write about that too. It's, uh, I, don't, I don't recommend that to anybody. I mean, honestly, it is one of the worst weeks of your life. Some days I say I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy because you come face to face with the people you hurt, people that love you. And maybe they have a tough time showing it because of their disappointment, but they do. You know, one of the great uh, you know, metaphors I guess I could share is like, I set my own house on fire and I didn't know how to get out. The place is burning down around me and I couldn't find the door. And somebody had to break it in and get me out. And then I get out there on the lawn and all those people that I thought abandoned me were there waiting crying, hoping that I was okay. And so if you're one of those people and you feel completely isolated, and you think, man, nobody cares about me, nobody loves me, that's not true. It's not true. You may have disappointed people. Maybe you're ashamed of how you behaved, but they love you. They want you to get better. They do. I know. I had burned every bridge that had ever been built around me. It's completely isolated. When I made a move, when I made, when I just flinched a little bit, right? People say, "Well, you've got to reach out for help." I didn't have to reach. All I had to do was have the tendons in my arms stiffen, as if I was making that reach, and about a hundred arms grabbed me. It's important to understand that, no matter what that little voice in your head tells you, you are not alone. You're not. Speaking of not being alone, you can go enjoy a great meal at Bulldog Burger Company. Sometimes I go eat alone at Bulldog Burger Company because I just want a little solitude and some peace, right? Just go in there and sit and enjoy my meal. And uh, I know exactly what I'm going to order these days. And uh, I guess four times in a row now, I have got the onion rings and the Mississippi barbecue burger. It's fabulous. It is. And I've joked about it before, and I'm threatened to do it, and I'm going to do it. Don't put it past me. One day I'm going to go in there and order two of them. That's how good they are. It's like sometimes I go in and eat a burger. I think, man, this thing's so filling. But I kind of push through with this one. It's outstanding. Got the jalapenos on there. You can get the onion straws. I don't. I don't. But you can. And you get the pulled pork on top of the hamburger patty. What is better than that? I'm telling you, it'll turn your entire day around. Go in there and order that Mississippi barbecue burger. You'll be glad you did. Uh, enjoy one of all of their great, um, their great burgers, right? Go by and check them out. You'll be glad that you did. Three good locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in a rich and flowing area. You go and have the spring rolls as your appetizer. Uh, it'll make you and everybody around you better looking as all these emails begin to roll in. People trying to get a hold of your good friend and host. It's a busy week for me. It really is. And uh, maybe you're a person that uh, wants to go out and have an adult beverage. Maybe you can handle that sort of thing. Uh, let me encourage you, go by and check them out when we have these um, tap takeovers, right? It's a really cool thing. Tap takeover. Got one coming up in Stark Vegas tomorrow night, June the 1st. Memphis Made will be in town beginning at 6.30 p.m. at Bulldog Burger Starkville. 
They're going to feature five of their incredible selections along with two chef-curated specials to go along with them. So something new. So whether you're used to the menu or not, you'll have an opportunity to go in there and enjoy some brew that maybe you're unfamiliar with and get some uh, off-the-menu specials from the great folks at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, since we were together last, the NCAA transfer portal window for spring sports has opened. And there have been four Diamond Dogs that have entered the portal. We're going to break all that down. Uh, None of these were unexpected, just so you know. None of these were unexpected, and I do expect there to be some more, and that's that's part of it. It is a necessary evil, and uh, probably best for both sides, right? The reality of it is, is we have got to have some scholarship spots to work with to bring in some players that are capable of not just competing here but winning here at a high level. Now, I'm going to say this just because I think it's important to have this disclaimer. This is not the Royal Ambassadors Baseball League. This is the Southeastern Conference. Difficult decisions have to be made. At times, we, you know, we follow players on social media. We get them to sign our kids' baseballs. We feel like we know them. The reality of it is, is that not everybody is capable of pushing the program forward. It's just the reality of it. We miss on some evaluations. Guys don't develop. Perhaps they regress. At the end of the day, everybody is responsible for their own attitude and effort. And it's up to the coaches, of course, to get the most out of those players. So I'm not going to sit here and blame the players. They didn't sign themselves. But also there is some accountability that uh, you know, I've talked to some people uh, fairly close to the program that say there's some guys that haven't really bought in. That's unfortunate to hear. And if you're not bought in, you need to get in, as in the portal. All right, so uh, the first name that we're going to discuss is Lane Forsythe. You know, Lane, of course, uh, was the starting shortstop for us. In the national championship year, we never really expected to be in this situation, but for one reason or another, he just he just had a difficult year. Early on, they got off to a really good start, uh, not hitting wise, but uh, once we got through those first couple of weeks, I mean, you know, Lang was a guy that we were kind of beginning to count on uh, regularly. You know, he was a guy that we thought could go out there and make some plays for us, and then things began to really uh, change. They did, and uh, didn't work out the way we'd hoped. All of a sudden, it became, um, I guess he kind of had the yips, right? I mean, that's kind of how you look at it. But uh, you know, look at his numbers right here. I just kind of think it's important you know, look, look at things in their entirety. But, uh, you know, there was a stretch there. You know, Lang got the batting average up to 315. You're thinking, hey, all right, we're good here. We're good. You know, he made four errors in the first five ball games. Then he put together a stretch of about 10 games where he didn't have a miscue, had one against Lipscomb, and then another eight or nine games without an error. You think, hey, okay, we're kind of turning, the, turning things around here defensively. He's back. He's doing good. Uh, he's reaching base, again, up to 315. And that's really, you know, right before we begin SEC play. Get into SEC play and um, really begin to have some defensive miscues. Led the team with 15 errors. And so a change of scenery may be good for him. Uh, Dave Mershon appears to have taken over one of those middle infield spots. If Dylan Kopp, a very highly touted shortstop prospect, comes to campus, and as of right now, we expect it. We expect it. He has a number in mind. Of course, if somebody hits that number, he's going to go. But the, the, the information we have right now, he's not expected to get what he's asking for. 
And uh, I had one scout tell me he's Jacob Gonzalez. He's that good. He's a guy that can come in as a freshman and short things up at short, and he's good enough with the stick that he can be a contributor on offense. It's always tough to adjust to that, you know, college-level breaking ball. But, um, you know, so you could see Cup at short, and then maybe Rashawn slides over to second. And if not, if Cup goes pro, then Rashawn stays at, at short. And we'll see what happens. But uh, SEC play, a bit of an adventure for Lane. Uh, ends up hitting 248 on the year. And, of course, that's, that's down from the peak. Nobody stays at the peak. It wouldn't be called the peak. Uh, but the reality of it is is that uh, things fell apart for Lane. He didn't play much at all in SEC play. Played in the Alabama series and uh, had a couple of errors there. And we had an error against UAB. Then we didn't see him again until we played Ole Miss. Made an error there. And then from there, Mershon took over. Lane had a pinch hit, uh, pinch hit at bat against Tennessee and then uh, played in the final game of the season against A&M. So from April the 15th, Lane made two appearances the rest of the year and didn't start. His final start in the Bulldog uniform, April 15th. We wish him the best. Very grateful to Lane for his contributions to Mississippi State. Uh, I'm in writing dog pile, and, uh, you know, it's easy for me to remember, you know, Lane running that uh, dying quail of a, of a hit um, to preserve the no-hitter against Kent State. It's an incredible play. And he made some big-time plays in Omaha. He was outstanding in the College World Series. And so we'll always have that time together that we'll cherish. But it's best for both of us if we move on. You know, he's not going to spend his last year of uh, you know, college eligibility riding the bench. I mean, I don't expect Lane to get drafted this year. I don't think he had that kind of year. right? He's always a marginal prospect to begin with due to his size and his bat. Uh, but Lane probably needs to go somewhere else and get on the field. So, again, we wish him the best. There's no Ill, Ill will here. There's no hard feelings on, on my end. And some of our fans were kind of especially cruel to Lane. I think a lot of that was kind of misdirected anger, right? I mean, yes, he made the mistake, but it's like he didn't keep putting himself in the starting lineup. And many of those errors are very costly and uh, really major pitchers that uh, needed every defensive play they could get uh, to avoid working deeper into ball games. you know, it's just part of the deal. But he leads the team in errors. Uh, doesn't take the jump offensively that we hoped. Now he's moving on. And that's what happens. You, that's what you want every year. You want to be able to recruit players. You want to over-recruit what you have. You want to always be adding to the top. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. 
They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Top and taken away from the bottom.
Shalane makes a decision. We support that decision, think it's the best for us, think it's the best for him, and hopefully he goes somewhere. I've had some people tell me he's going to stay closer to home. He's from Humboldt, Tennessee, that uh, may end up playing up there at one of the home state schools, not Tennessee. And if that's the case, uh, you know, good for him. And I hope things work out exceptionally well for him. But, uh, Lane, again, moving on from the Mississippi State baseball program. And that's part of it. Uh, Bryce Hubbard, a very highly touted catcher. You know, very good offensively. The defensive piece was a little bit of, a, of an adventure at times, but we thought that he would develop. When you bring in Ross Highfield and Ross takes over as the uh, starter, um, the guys behind him have a decision to make. And Bryce Hubbard elects to go in the portal. And uh, one for four this year. He had a really good fall, really good with the bat. Uh, defensively, it was a bit of an adventure. But I always tell people you can't truly judge catchers in year one. You think you can, but you can't. Because until you've had the block up an SEC breaking ball in the dirt with a runner at third, you don't know what you got. Until you've seen it, you don't know how to catch it. I don't care how good a high school program you were on. I don't care what travel team you were on. Until you've had a guy that has uh, probably got pro baseball aspirations, bounce a breaking ball right there in front of you, and you've got to drop to your knees and take it off the chest and save a ball game, you don't know. It's part of the deal. But uh, Bryce is going to move on. Uh, Ryan Williams, who did not see actions this year, and uh, he was the guy that got injured back in the fall. We were excited about him. But uh, he also was in the portal, too. And so you had four catchers this year on scholarship, Ryan Williams, Bryce Hubbard, Luke Hancock, and now Ross Highfield. And now three of those four are gone. Luke, of course, has exhausted his eligibility, and the two freshmen have both elected to hit the portal. The truth of the matter is neither of these guys was going to be able to catch Ross Highfield. And that's not being critical. That's just kind of calling it for what it is. And so they, in turn, it's like, hey, we all came in as freshman catchers, and a guy in my class has won the job and hit nine tanks this year and down the stretch was the, the daily catcher. Guys, I'm not going to play barring an injury. And I, I can't sit there and hope and root for an injury to get on the field. So I got to go somewhere else and reset. I got to go compete somewhere else. It'd be one thing if, you know, if Ross was a sophomore and about to be a junior next year, then you could say, okay, well, my time will come. So you don't fault these guys for leaving. Of course, some of our fans, uh, you know, they're going to overreact. Oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? Well, you know, we got a junior college catcher coming in from northeast Mississippi. He'll be here. And we'll hit the portal for a guy for depth. You know, if, hey, if we could get somebody that was, a, you know, an All-American caliber type catcher, we certainly would take him. Uh, but we feel like Ross Highfield is our future behind the plate. And as a result, that's probably going to keep some guys that are expecting to start from choosing Mississippi State. We just need a serviceable backup. You know, Jackson's going to come in here for Northeast, and we feel like that he's a guy probably could catch in the midweek, save some wear and tear on Ross. But, you know, you'd like to ideally carry four scholarship catchers. But you don't want to take a guy just to take a guy, right? Important to understand that. It's okay. It's not anybody's fault. That's what competition brings sometimes. All right, Graham Einstein went in the portal, and uh, I'm not surprised by this either. Either. Now, the question that I ask myself is, did we miss on the evaluation or, or is Itima's struggles a product of our struggles as a pitching staff? 
uh, as far as coaching goes. Because here's the thing about Eintema. You know, he was at Lawson State Community College. And granted, okay, that, that's not, you know, national championship caliber program right now. That said, he was the conference pitcher of the year. Last year at Lawson State, 14 games, three starts, uh, went 76 and two-thirds of an inning and had eight wins. 105 strikeouts on the year with an ERA of 270, even had a complete game. Five games, 10 or more strikeouts. Granted, it's junior college. I get it. But how does a guy having that kind of success, he had had 13 wins in junior college. How does that guy get here and just kind of fall apart? Is it him? Was it us? Was it a combination of both? I don't know. But again, when you, it's not like Graham Einstein was the only guy that struggled. And one thing you look at and say, it was a lot of first-year pitchers in the Southeast, a bunch, freshmen, transfers, whatever. They're going to get better next year. They will, to be a little more comfortable. That's a hope, anyway. Uh, but Eintemont likes to get in the portal. And he was a guy, you just really down the stretch, you couldn't trust. And, and I hate to say it for what it is, but that's the reality of it. He, just, he was a guy you absolutely just couldn't trust. As my dogs wander around the house. But, uh, you know, he has the, uh, the appearance against VMI in relief. His debut goes in inning at third, gives up five hits and two runs. One of them earned three Ks and a walk. We've got that handled, okay? Uh, but I apologize. But uh, then, you know, he goes uh, an inning of relief in Louisiana Monroe. Just the one inning, but he was okay. And Arizona State, probably his best outing of the year. He goes five innings, allows three hits, one run, six Ks, no walks. We think, okay. All right, maybe we've got him comfortable now. 5-1 win. Okay, we're good. We think we're okay. We go to Frisco, and he has a good opening inning there, and then things just absolutely fall apart. He goes two and two-thirds of an inning, five hits, seven runs, five walks, just to three Ks. His ERA then balloons up to 8.10. He comes back against Lipscomb, gets in some first inning trouble, but he works out of it. Uh, three hits, three runs, one, only one of them earned. Three walks in the game, five strikeouts. We win that game 12-4. We put him out there in a start against Kentucky, and he doesn't get anybody out. One hit, three walks, four runs, and we lose 17-3. Now, he wasn't the only day guy that had a bad day that day, but he did. He comes in relief against Vanderbilt a couple times, and one outing's good. He just gets, you know, comes in for a matchup, and he gets the matchup and, and wins. Four pitches, gets the out. We bring it back again two days later. He gives up a hit and three earned runs, a walk, wild pitch, hit by pitch. It was brutal. We bring it back against Samford. He goes two innings, hitless innings. Uh, does have a couple walks there. And uh, we win a ballgame 9-4, but it wasn't stellar, but at least, you know, step in the right direction. Then we go to South Carolina or play South Carolina here. He goes a third of an inning, allows a hit, three runs, uh, has the walk there. We lose that game 14-5. That's a game that blew up on us late. Ole Miss, two innings pitched in relief, four hits, three runs, two of them earned, strikeout. And then against Auburn, we don't get anybody out. And um, hit a couple of batters. And it's over. And then Texas A&M, we go one inning, four hits, four runs, a walk, 28 innings pitch. And so if you look at it, you know, in hindsight here, it's mainly the level of competition. 
against the Southeastern Conference opponent, he did not have an extended outing that was good. Not one. Again, he had the one matchup where he throws four pitches and gets us out of the inning against Vanderbilt in, on, in, the, uh, in game one of that series. Outside of that, it's, it's terrible. His ERA at the end of the year is 10.55. I had somebody trying to dispute that with me yesterday. I don't do the math. I just report the news. But 10.55. And if you begin to look at, um, at the numbers in conference play, you know, that's the thing. We, we look at all this stuff, and it's like, well, you know, what, what do we really think? What's it really about? If you can't pitch in the, in the SEC, you can't stay. It's not a personal thing. You can't stay. So let's go to conference numbers for Eintema here. And it's um, kind of, you know, just take a look here. So Graham Eintema's ERA in Southeastern Conference play was 33.75. Yes, 33.75. Obviously the worst on the team. We had, we had five guys with an ERA over 20. He had the highest. He had a whip of 4.50. Seven appearances in the Southeastern Conference. Pitched a total of four innings combined. Think about that for a second. Seven appearances and you only combined for four innings. That's brutal. In those four innings, we allow 11 hits, 18 runs, seven walks, get just one strikeout. And opponents hit 478 against him. He can't compete at this level, period. And you begin to look at it, again, there's enough blame to go around. You know, obviously he put together a good stretch there at um, – in junior college at Lawson State, and he's a big strapping left-hander, so you think, okay, maybe we got something we can work with here. But it didn't work out, and it worked out in a very terrible way. So we wish Graham the best. We appreciate his efforts uh, this year. The results obviously weren't what he wanted or what we wanted, and thus he's moving on, and maybe he'll find an opportunity somewhere at a lower level. You know, maybe against a SOCON-type opponent, maybe that's the level in which he can compete, because not everybody can be developed into an SEC player. They may have to want to, and they may have show flashes of the talent, but the reality of it is they can't get it done. And I don't care how good a coach you are. You know, it's like I've heard the expression before, you know, you can't take a mule and win the Kentucky Derby. You know, some people have to play within themselves. You've got to understand, this is quality of competition that the water is a little bit too deep for me, and I believe that was the case for Graham. And I don't think it helped matters that uh, – you know, I don't, I don't know that we did a lot to help him. I don't know what all went on behind the scenes. But we kept trotting him out there, hoping he'd figure it out. I, the only thing I can figure is the guy was really good in the bullpen. So maybe a change of scenery will be good for him. Maybe he lands somewhere. Maybe it's Jacksonville State or somewhere like that and finds it. And maybe that's a level that he can compete. Because the reality of it is, we've said this on the show before, it takes a very special young man to be able to come in here and deal with the, the expectations, you know, the fans – the competition, this is big boy baseball. Nothing against anybody that's leaving. Again, we wish them the best. But we have got to have players here that are capable of hitting SEC pitching, fielding SEC batted balls, and then making SEC hitters swing and miss. That's what we got to get. we got to get outs. 
And I, I, to be honest with you, if we'd kept some of these guys around, you know, like when I begin to think about it, and there'll, there'll be other guys going to portal. When I begin to think about it, you know, it would be a dereliction of duty. You know, the best thing for Graham Einsema right now, the best thing for him and his career is to go somewhere else. Period. And, again, maybe the change of scenery will be a big thing for him. Maybe he'll be like, you know what, hey, I learned a lot this year. Maybe it didn't go the way that I wanted, but I can, you know, I kind of know who I am and what I need to do to compete. And so, again, wishing the best. But uh, it's not going to be here. All right, let's thank our friend Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com, C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair is a mortgage professional. Blair is the guy that gets things done. If perhaps if you've been turned down before, maybe you're a little bit atypical. Maybe you got a non-conforming property. Maybe you're somebody that's got, you know, maybe you got different revenue streams and it takes somebody that can navigate and understand all that to explain that to underwriting. There are a lot of people out there like, I don't know, it's just what the documents say. You need somebody to be your advocate. That's Blair. 22 years of experience, back to back to back. Top 1% close ratio in the country. Nobody stays in an industry 20 plus years on accident. Nobody, nobody can stack up three straight years, top 1% close ratio without knowing what they're doing. And if, when it comes to something as important as your mortgage, you need to entrust it in a true professional. That's what you get with Blair Chandler. Works at Fairway Mortgage, very reputable, reputable uh, lending organization. They are uh, recently voted number one in customer satisfaction and mortgage loan origination. Hit up Blair today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And listen, if you're thinking about moving, now's a good time to do it. You say, well, Steve, we got vacation. You know what? There's a lot of things that are going to happen and are going to require your attention. You go ahead and take that vacation. And nothing makes, I can tell you this, what I know about women, because I have uh, married one, I was raised by them, and uh, I've fathered two. Women like the idea of buying a new, a new place or decorating a new place, getting new furniture and things like that. And so maybe, maybe it's time for you to make a move. So check with Blair and get, let him help you uh, get yourself organized. And maybe you've been turned down in the past. Reach out to him. He can get you pre-qualified. And that's what makes those real estate agents happier when they find out we have a pre-qualified borrower. You're not going to be wasting your time showing houses. They'll get motivated, trust me, because they understand, hey, this person can get financing. Uh, I need to make sure I'm available to them at all hours of the day. It's true. That's, again, closeblair.com. All right, top 10 list. We're going back to the 80s. That's right, we are. Back to the 80s, and uh, I don't know that Roy really likes my selection today. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to do it. And it's uh, a band from the 80s that, uh, in many respects, I think was kind of unfairly maligned because uh, there's so many people that kind of saw them as a, I guess, kind of a novelty band. They're not. And because the fact that Dee Snyder is basically like a cartoon character, you know, he gets up there and uh, wears these extravagant outfits and the makeup, and he's got the big hair, all that sort of stuff. But Blair's a rocker, man, Blair. Dee's a rocker. Blair's a rocker, too, but he's a jam band rocker. He needs to get some hair on his chest. Put on some denim jeans, 
get him a chain wallet, wear a tank top every once in a while. And I don't mean some tank top with a fitted edge. You could get you a Jack Daniels shirt and you cut those sleeves off, Blair, and you do it and do it today. But Dee Snyder, the lead singer, Twisted Sister, represented us as a rocking nation before the uh, Senate hearings brought about by the PMRC. We talk about Al Gore's internet. Tipper Gore's project was the Parents' Music Resource Center, which was the bane of our existence for a while. They couldn't censor us, but they made it more difficult for uh, teenagers to buy records. Anything that had the PMRC explicit lyrics label had to be purchased by somebody 18 or older. And all it did was ensure the kids wanted to go buy it. Those explicit lyric stickers were absolutely a marketing boom for music. That's what kids wanted. Like, I want these guys are real. Whether it be rock or rap or whatever, now I'm, I'm going to go get this. But I, guess, I think they thought Dee Snyder was this joke. They didn't realize when they called him before the Senate hearings that um, he was among the smartest people in the room. And he explained in great detail how important it was to have First Amendment protections and that you can't assign motive to somebody else's lyrics, that it's left up to interpretation. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So our holy twisted sister, all hail to thee. So here we go, top 10. And this, this pretty cool little song here, it did not get aired. The video didn't get aired on MTV. Because that's the thing, Twisted Sister really exploded because they were so perfect for MTV. They had great catchy songs, but they were just so incredibly larger than life. It was like watching a movie, and, and there was so much slapstick in the videos and stuff. You enjoyed them. It was like watching, you, you didn't just watch it for the music. You enjoyed the entertainment value of the video itself. Alice Cooper was in this, uh, this video, but because of the fact that MTV said it was too violent, they wouldn't air it. You know, nowadays, I mean, it's 24 hours of ridiculous and hair care commercials. I mean, give me a break, guys. MTV killed itself. I could do a whole show about that. MTV killed itself. I've read some stuff, you know, the I Want My MTV book. Have you read some of that? And MTV got too big for their britches. And they, 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 they stopped dancing with the people that brought them notoriety. And like, oh, well, we can be the opinion makers here. We can change things. And they did with grunge. They did. And I, listen, I enjoyed grunge. But do you ever ask yourself, why did it only last about 18 months? I mean, it feels like 15 minutes, right? And in people today, they don't play music that's derivative of grunge. Very few. There are a few bands that sound like Alice in Chains out there. I mean, Seven Dust doesn't sound like Pearl Jam. Right? Nothing more. You know, they don't sound like Nirvana. You know, there are a lot of bands today that have kind of taken the 80s sound and then added an industrial mix to it. But that's it. Let's get back on track here. Your number 10 song is Be Cruel to Your School instead of Be True to Your School. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's kind of a, a, a sloppy take, I guess, on the, the old uh, bebop classic. But uh, it is a good straight-ahead rock and roll song, even though there's a little bit of silliness in it. Now, the number nine song... Uh, the title track of an album called Love is for Suckers. Now, what's interesting about this, and maybe you don't know this, is that most of the traditional members of Twisted Sister didn't play on this album. They, they toured with it, and they were in the videos. Uh, Mark Mendoza, J.J. French, uh, Ojeda, those guys, they didn't play. You know who played bass on this album and who played lead guitar? Do you know? 
It's Kip Winger and Reb Beach from Winger. Reb, of course, also with Whitesnake now. They were the musicians on this album. It didn't do well. I don't think it's an indictment on those guys. They were basically studio musicians. You know, Kip Winger one time played bass for Alice Cooper. Um, but Love is for Suckers was kind of like, yeah, the song is good. The album itself, kind of lacking. Number eight, the title track from perhaps the greatest album ever produced in Twisted Sister. It's Stay Hungry. And uh, they re-recorded it uh, when they reunited a few years ago, and it's called uh, Still Hungry. It's not as good. It's a couple arrangements that are different, but uh, Stay Hungry, an outstanding album and really kind of iconic of the era in many respects. And again, they didn't have as many hits. And I think a lot of people didn't take them seriously, but Twisted Sister is legit. They built a huge following in New York even before they had a record deal. They were selling out to Palladium with no record deal. Number seven from the second album, great album, and it precedes the Stay Hungry album. The first album, Under the Blade, was good. You Can't Stop Rock and Roll was better. And then, of course, MTV helped Stay Hungry explode. But it's a title track, You Can't Stop Rock and Roll. It's a great straight-ahead rock and roll track, uh, kind of true to the vein, cool as it can be. Number six, this is not the Offspring song. And it's actually inspired by the movie The Warriors. And if you've never seen The Warriors, uh, you probably should. It's about gangs of New York. And it's, there's a lot of silliness in it, too. I mean, because, like, the gangs all kind of dress together. It's really over the top. They kind of exaggerate the differences between everybody. And uh, there's one gang. It's actually like they wear baseball uniforms. It's, it's kind of silly. But anyway, there's a part in there where it's like, Warriors, come out and play. And so they open up come out and play like that. Twisted Sister, come out and play. So it's kind of paying homage to that movie, The Warriors. But it's a good track. It really is. And I almost flipped those two, seven and six, and maybe I should have. You Can't Stop Rockin' Roll, I actually like a little bit better. I'd already read my list, though. All right, number five, The Kids Are Back. This is another one that's kind of in your face, straight ahead rock and roll. Good vocal here from Dee Snyder. Um, and again, it was trying to get play on rock radio. That was an important aspect. I mean, you tried to get on the radio. You tried to get your music in front of people on MTV. Uh, we listened to terrestrial radio back then. We, we had to, right? We didn't have, we couldn't pick and choose. When we rode in our car, the songs we could listen to. Because about all we ever had back then was an A-track and an AM radio. And so you, you basically listened to whatever the, the DJ said. I remember being a kid calling the DJ, hey, play this. Play Pac-Man Fever. What are you doing? Play it. But uh, so they couldn't get their music out in front of people at times. And uh, as a result, record sales suffered. Number four, if you've ever seen Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, you have heard this song and you've seen Dee Snyder and the guys, uh, the cameo appearance in the movie. And I love Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I think it is one of the greatest movies of my generation. And yes, it is extremely silly, but it's very entertaining. And my kids have watched it. I couldn't wait to turn my kids on the Pee Wee. It's incredible. Pee-wee's Big Adventure is great. It's action-packed. So many crazy things happen. It's kind of like Forrest Gump with the more comedy. Because this bike is in the Alamo. The Alamo. Tell them Large Marge sent you. But on late in this movie, you know, Pee-wee is uh, having this, uh, you know, the big chase scene at the end, and they cross over a soundstage or a video shoot, and it's Twisted Sister with Dee Snyder on the hood of the car, 
uh, shooting a video for their track from Stay Hungry, Burn in Hell. You're going to burn in hell. That's your number four track today. And number three, and I'll be honest with you, there are some days I could talk myself into this being the best Twisted Sister song. It's very serious. Um, it's one of those songs, too, I look at and say, you know what? I, I think even if D had not pursued you know, the silly, and inter- the silly entertainment value of music, I think he could have made a career recording music like this. I think the vocal on this is the best thing that D. Snyder ever recorded, ever. And the lyrical content is incredible, too. J.J. French lays down good riffs. It's a song called The Price. We all got to pay it. It's a great, great song. And if you're unfamiliar with it, I encourage you, check it out. So now we're down to the final two, and you got to wonder, okay, what order is Steve going to put them in? Because you know what they are, right? Everybody knows. Number two is I Want to Rock. I went with I Want to Rock, number two. And again, when I remember when all this happened, you know, the dad comes into the video and he's like, you know, what is this on the TV? And He's like, Dad, it's Twisted Sister. He said, Twisted Sister. And they have this big back and forth. And he goes, what are you going to do with your life? And the kid gets up, kind of a fat, pudgy kid, banger in his eyes, a little bit of a mullet working on the collar. He looks at his dad. And he mouths the word, I want to rock. But it's Dee Snyder, of course, singing. And then the next thing you know, the, the house is destroyed, right? And all this band is like supporting this kid that just wants to listen to rock and roll music and kind of um, making the dad look like the, uh, the silly one. They kind of flip the script on him. And that was a big theme in the 80s, right? I mean, because we, you know, I guess we all learned it from Pink Floyd, right? From um, Breaking the Wall. You know, to, to kind of challenge authority that maybe our parents, our teachers weren't always right. Wasn't always a good thing. You know, more times than not, father did know best, but not in every case. But in the 80s, there was a lot of rebellion. It was a spirit of rebellion. And so Twisted Sister kind of played into that with the visual imagery in their videos. And so it, you know, kids identified with that. I know I did. I mean, how many people wanted to just like, you know, when your teacher or somebody says, you know, what do you, you want to do with your life? I want to rock. That's all we cared about. Right? And the only girls we liked were girls that wanted to rock too. You went to Bebop Record Shop and you made new friends. And you meet some girl from some other school and you get her phone number and you hope she was in your area calling plan. You could call her. It wouldn't be long distance. But we liked girls that want to rock. We did. Most of us. The cool ones, the cool guys did. But number one, a song that has been uh, kind of misused. You know, we're not going to take it. There's some people that use that as their theme song, and i got news for you. You are going to take it. You're going to take it and like it. Because what are you going to do, get on Twitter and cry about it? You get on your Facebook and hope people feel sorry for you? You're going to take it. But when this song came out, it was absolutely an in-your-face, fist-in-your-face about rebellion. It's like, yeah, we've been through all this before. We're done. And people sing that and play it like it's anthemic these days. But um, how would you like to write a song like that, that, you know, coming up on, goodness, 40 years later, you know, people still see that as a song that unifies people for a cause? Whether you agree with the cause or not, it's pretty impressive. So number one for Twisted Sister is we're not going to take it. I'm kind of surprised we hadn't done this band before. And many of these songs you're, you may be unfamiliar with. If you were a rocker in the mid-'80s, you know these songs. But 
if, if you were just kind of an MTV fringe rock fan, there's some new tracks on here I think you're really going to like. And again, I go back to the price. It is an incredible song. It's a great straight-ahead rock and roll song, and I think Dee Snider's shining moment as a vocalist. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out and let us know. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. Roy, our keeper of the list, and the guy that distributes these on Spotify. And I do tweet those out and share them on my Facebook. Um, you can find Roy at Dogmatic67. It's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. Our Spotify list under that same handle. Give Roy a follow. He won't tweet out pictures of uh, his food or his dogs or anything like that. It's always Mississippi State-related type stuff. But he's not going to inundate your feed, too. And a lot of people you follow. And I remember, you know, 10 years ago, everybody's like, hey, Steve, will you give me a follow? I said, well, you're not going to be tweeting out pictures of your breakfast, are you? Well, no. Okay. I'll give it, we'll give it a shot. Uh, but by and large, you know, social media has become that in many respects. I may take a picture of my food and send it to my family, but I don't, I don't tweet it. Maybe you do. That's okay. I'm not going to judge. Uh, but Roy, a good follow on Spotify and on Twitter if you want to keep up with the top ten list. And uh, you never know. You may have an idea that we use here on the show. We get a lot of them. We do. I don't always use them. And it's not anything to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to snub you or anything. I just want to do a good job. And I know in bands like Twisted Sister, I can't. So we'll uh, look forward to putting another list together on Friday. I'll be honest with you. Some days that's the, t- that's the toughest part of getting things ready for this show. What's the top ten list about? So when you guys send your ideas in, it gives us uh, more material to consider, shall we say. All right, next segment of the show brought to you, as always, by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. If you're unfamiliar with Campus Bookmart, what have you been doing with your life? You haven't been shopping at those other stores, have you? Right? Well, if you are, you're not getting the best selection of Mississippi State merchandise. Go to Campus Bookmart in person and see their smiling faces. So many lovely people there. They're like family to me. Every time I go in there, i got to hug everybody's neck, and I'm I'm happy to do it. Love that place, man. And you go in there, and they treat you extremely well. Best selection, best pricing, service with a smile every time. And these are bulldogs doing a job for other bulldogs. It's sitting like a place at some you know, far away home office is just trying to kind of exploit our fandom for Mississippi State. Uh, Kathy Brown, an incredible buyer, always getting good selection for you because she cares about you. It's not just a business, it's a mission. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That'll get you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. And again, Mom, it's time to start outfitting the family for vacation and football season. Kids have grown a lot since last year. Dad may have too. I'm sure you have trimmed up and are looking better than ever. But nevertheless, treat yourself and treat your family to some new Mississippi State merchandise at campusbookmart.net. All right, let's talk a little bit about SEC meetings. And we've talked about the, uh, the schedule. You know, it appears that support for a nine-game SEC schedule is dwindling. Uh, let me again, I'll tell you, all of you that say, oh, we, we should do this, you, I just think it's wrong. I don't agree with you. I'm not going to sit here and say, call you names or say jokes about your mama or anything, but I, I don't agree with you. I think a nine-game SEC schedule is a detriment to us. Now, you could say, but, Steve, we're playing a Power 5 opponent. 
is part of that mandate for the schedule. That's true, too. And you got to say, okay, well, who would we play in the Southeastern Conference? Well, I would much rather go play Arizona, Arizona State, Minnesota, Baylor, teams like that than another SEC opponent. And that's just me. And there's a couple reasons why. Number one, I like the novelty of the game. Like, we went out and played at Arizona last year. I think that's pretty cool. They'll come here this year. It's exciting to me. You know, I'm not looking forward to making that trip to Minnesota. Nothing against the people in uh, Minnesota by any stretch, but it's a long way up there. And it's a long way to Arizona. And then we've got to go back to Arizona State. But when else are we going to get a chance to do that, to go cheer for the Bulldogs out there? We can go cheer at Tennessee fairly regularly. We've already done that before. And so I think the Power 5 mandate is a good thing. Of course, they'll drop that if we go to a nine-game SEC schedule. And then other people talk about resources. You know, you look at the, you know, the fact that uh, you've know, you got to fly out there and everybody's got to go. It's an expensive trip. I get it. I do. And if you didn't have to fly to Arizona, it'd be a little less expensive. Maybe you could bus, uh, you know, over to Vanderbilt. I don't know. But I'm not in favor of it. I'm not. I think we need those four non-conference games in order to get bowl eligibility in uh, down years. And some people say, but Steve, you know, let's raise the hurdles a little bit. I just think, you know, again, I, I think we're shooting ourselves in the foot here through bravado. It's like, hey, we're not scared of this. We're not scared of this. But I think at the end of the day, if we're honest with ourselves, that's what's better for the program. Now, some people would say, Steve, I'd much rather see us play another SEC opponent than watch us play southeastern Louisiana. Well, sometimes I do want to watch us play southeastern Louisiana, and I want to get an easy win, and I want to get one more step closer to bowl eligibility, and I want to see the young kids play in the second half. That's just me. You got to get those guys some snaps. I mean, how are they ever going to get any better? You get real game film and give them an opportunity to go out there and play against a real opponent and not just an interconference game, not just a squad game, scout team game. That's important too. And we may disagree, and that's okay. Uh, but a lot of people are like, well, this is what I would rather. Okay, that, that may be better for you, but is that better for Mississippi State? And then one guy on the, on the message board, I won't, I don't, I'm not going to say his handle, but if you're a member, you can figure it out. But he goes, well, if that's the case, why don't we just leave the SEC? Let's not be, let's not be absurd here. We're talking about the difference in one game or not. Is it better for us to play non-SEC games or continue on the, the model we're on right now, at least as far as games go? Uh, there's a lot of talk, of course, about you know, doing away with divisions. I'm okay with that, too. Now, you look at the situation with Kentucky, and I point to that a lot because a lot of people feel like, hey, Kentucky is kind of our counterpart in the East. Well, we have to play Alabama and LSU every year. They got to play Georgia and Florida every year. That's kind of where the list ends for them, right? Every every other game would be a toss-up. Then they get the benefit of playing Missouri and Vanderbilt every year. Who do we get to play in the West? that you would feel like, hey, that's a weekend off. There's not. You think Mark Stoops would be a media darling if he had to play an SEC West schedule? I don't think so. People are like, oh, look at what he's done. Oh, yeah, it's great. Well, un until recently, South Carolina was, was also an easy win for Kentucky. So all of a sudden, Kentucky wins their four non-conference games, and they beat Missouri. They beat South Carolina. 
Uh, they beat Vanderbilt. Well, you got seven wins right there. So if you just happen to slip up and get Tennessee, or you pick off, uh, you know, somebody else, and that on that side of the conference, all of a sudden you got eight wins. You're in a Florida bowl game. And like, I look at what he's done. Well, I mean, the hurdles are much lower. And I don't care what kind of year Ole Miss is having, that game is always a bloodletting. Arkansas, we had a really nice stretch for a while, for about a decade against those guys. But, uh, you know, when Bobby Petrino was up there, we had a lot of trouble winning against Arkansas. And now Petrino's at A&M. They'll be a better team, I think. You know, Jimbo had to go out and get a guy like Petrino. It'll be an interesting marriage between those two. I mean, how what's going to happen when the game is on the line and – Jimbo tries to exert his authority when it comes to play calling. Does he take the playbook out of Petrino's hands? But at some point, A&M's going to get it together. And so we play that gauntlet of SEC Western Division teams, and now we're about to add Oklahoma and Texas on top of it. So it's almost like Russian roulette. By adding the ninth conference game, there's a better chance that you're going to pick up somebody that's going to be favored to beat us considerably. And I'm not sitting here poor-mouthing Mississippi State. I also understand the fact that uh, Texas and Oklahoma are coming in here with some of the most expansive resources in the history of college football. I'd rather play Arizona. I'm just saying. That's just me. But, again, you look at this Kentucky thing, it's absurd. Oh, this is the year for Kentucky. And then it never is the year for Kentucky. Every single year we go through this. And we're already starting to see some preseason picks. And, oh, Mississippi State is going to be 6-6, six and six, whatever. I'm so sick of it, man. It's so lazy. It absolutely is. It's lazy. It's like, well, Mississippi State last year. Oh, they went 8-4. and four. Yeah, but Mike Leach passed away. They're going to go backwards. Well, are we? You don't think we can at least maintain that? Is it unreasonable to think with, a, with an easier schedule? And I've seen the numbers that, former, that ESPN, FPI, right, where Mississippi State has the, uh, what, the 12th easiest schedule in the SEC this year. We're usually number one. We usually had the most difficult one. So we have a much favorable schedule this year. And then people are expecting us to be two games worse than we were a year ago. It's lazy. It is. But trust me, Kentucky will be a, quote, dark horse in the SEC East again when they have absolutely no chance, absolute chance to be a dark horse in the East. I mean, yeah, they're going to play the games. There is not a realistic chance for that program to take a step forward this year. It's not. I mean, you got to think that, you know, they had Will Levis last year, and some people were hyping him up as the number one quarterback in the draft. He wasn't. He was a pro prospect, and what did they do last year? With all these great players around them, right? They had a good roster last year. We went up there and laid an egg and let them dictate terms to us, and I think it's going to be a lot different with Barbe calling plays. That's just my estimation and my opinion. And as excited as I am about this year, I'm looking forward to going up there and Arnett, the Arnett regime taking a shot at Kentucky because I think us losing those games up there at Kentucky are an embarrassment, to be quite honest with you. I don't think we should ever lose to Kentucky. I don't. You may disagree. And I give Stoops and those guys credit. They've had a good game plan against us the last few years. We've gone up there. But when they come down here, we absolutely annihilate them. We go up there and lose a game more times than not is, uh, you know, we don't execute. And that was what happened last year. You know, we go out there last year and uh, they shorten the game on us. And, you know, people forget we had the lead late in the second half. And then we didn't have Jaden Cromedy, who was injured, and they ran basically at will. 
And that was the point Dave Murray made a while back on the message boards, and everybody wanted to argue him down. You get Jaden Crumpton in that game, you probably win. You're like, oh, no, really? We wouldn't have had our best defensive lineman? You don't think that, that slows down the running game a little bit? There's a drop-off in talent between the first and second team. There's a reason that Jaden Crumpton is a first-teamer. There's a reason that he's an NFL prospect. If you have him, I'm not saying we win, but you certainly have a better – you know, chance of breaking down that game. That's important to kind of understand, too. Now, we're going to be in football camp tomorrow. I, I, I forgot to mention this where I put the schedule out the other day. We actually have a camp Thursday night, Thursday evening, 4 o'clock. Uh, so, Paul Jones and I will be there. Not sure what Robbie's up to. Maybe Robbie will be there, too, interviewing some local guys for us. Uh, probably have the missus out there taking some pictures. We'll take some notes. We'll have full coverage of camp. Uh, over jeanspage.com, and um, this is the time of year we kind of live for in many respects. I, I'm going to make most of the camps. I won't make them all because I do have to run back up to Tennessee uh, next week, but not for the full week. We'll, we'll, we'll go in. We'll probably, we'll probably get in Thursday, probably do Thursday's camp, Saturday, and then do Tuesday, and then I'll probably take off uh, those final days. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how things are going, what's going on. I got a lot, I got a lot going on, trust me, always. But uh, we'll do a Wednesday show before we get out of here. And maybe we do it Tuesday night after, you know, after the camp. I don't know. But uh, the first top dog camp is this Thursday at 4 o'clock. The rest of the camps will begin at 11. So we'll have the afternoon to kind of watch camp and then uh, we'll work through some interviews and we'll be back and have full coverage. And we'll have a, a game, a, kind of a game thread, but it's uh, the camp thread as guys arrive and, and do certain things or get offers or – and we see observation things, we'll, we'll note that in the thread. And, and so if you're interested in what's going on while you're working, you can log on over to jeanspage.com, go to the True Maroon board, and kind of keep up with the latest developments from football camps. So uh, we need some camps to, to get going because uh, there are a lot of guys out there that we have done a good job recruiting, but we haven't necessarily pushed for commitments. And I think you get those guys in camp and work them out. You can reestablish your pecking order after getting some in-person eval. And then you start pushing for commitments. And uh, as I've shared on the shot, I'm a little concerned, not ready to panic by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but, yeah, we need to get some juice, man. We need to get some things going. I've had some people tell me in recent days, hey, things are really fixing to pick up here in the next few weeks. And we need that to happen. And I don't know if we have um, – you know, if we have uh, – my son's funny. He's out getting us pizza, and he says, uh, dough has been secured, little bird is on the way back to the nest. So there, there we go. Always some humor within the family. But we need to get some commitments. We're going to get some, but this is a very good year in state, and uh, our fans need something to get excited about. And, again, I, I continue to go back to um, this thing with Zach Arnett is every time that we've had a crisis, and I use that with Dr. Evil quotes, crisis, and we work ourselves up into a tizzy and we're all worried about this, and every time Zach Arnett has come through, every time. You know, David Turner was available. We started mentioning him as a possibility. Oh, we got to get David Turner. We're not, we're not keeping Jeff Phelps. We do. We got to go get Coach Bump. We got to go get Coach Bump. We do. We got to get a great, innovative offensive coordinator. We do. Mason Miller's leaving. We got to go get an experienced defensive line coach. We got to get two of them. And so, you know, again, I go back to every single step of the way Zach has done the right thing. And so I'm going to put some trust in those guys. I know Brad Peterson is intimately involved with much of what we're doing on the recruiting side of things. 
It's a guy that knows his state very well. He understands the importance of in-state recruiting. And so I just say you give those guys the benefit of the doubt, and we'll see what happens for the next couple of weeks. But a recruiting class is never truly judged on what happens on May 31st. It's judged by what it does on signing day and then eventually what those guys do on the field. So it's really premature to start thinking, oh, you know, we need to do better. Well, the camps are here now, so now it's time for us to kind of pick up the pace a little bit, and I certainly believe we will. Certainly excited about that. Now, uh, some other SEC stuff we're talking about is NIL. And uh, there is uh, Ross Dellinger, Bulldog along Ross Dellinger. Ross, I don't always agree. We don't. I, I think a lot of Ross. Very proud of Ross. Uh, Ross is a guy that uh, has achieved a lot in his journalistic career. It makes me proud that he is a Bulldog, uh, you know, working at the highest levels. And I don't think there's anybody that covers the Southeastern Conference that's more connected than Ross Dellinger. So when Ross writes an article about the future of the SEC, I pay attention. I do. Because I know it's well-sourced, I know it's well-written, and I know more times than not it's well-intended, right? Uh, Ross is not one of these clickbait bandits, agent provocateurs just trying to write a, a pithy headline to, to trick you into clicking his article that's not worth anything. It is usually a very nice work. But there's a lot of discussion about the national policy or a national law from the federal government. And he says today in his series of NIL that uh, even if the, if the national law doesn't come as we expect, the SEC is going to work in hopes of having all of the NIL laws in SEC states to be uniform. He wants everybody to be on a level playing field. And that's how it should be. It should be a national thing. But if they're not going to do it, we should do it. And uh, I don't know how you convince a state – say, well, we should all do this. We bring a lot of revenue to your state. You get a lot of tax dollars because of college athletics, so we need you to cooperate us. And I'm sure there's some things they can do. But there will be one state out there that will do something stupid, probably Louisiana. Um, But all that said, the change is coming in NIL in a major way. And so I'd encourage you to go read Ross's article to get more of the details, get Greg Sankey's comments. but there has to be change. We have said it for the better part of a year now. The current model is not sustainable. It's just not. And other people will argue, and everybody's like, well, you know, these businesses should pay for this. Well, the problem with that is, is that businesses are in business to make money. And yes, they do have some discretionary income. They do. But by giving to NIL in its current form, there's no tax write-off. If, if there's some way you could make that a tax write-off, or they would get something in return, you'd have a lot of bigger corporations that were more willing to cooperate and, uh, and pay some money to NIL. You give money to the Bulldog Club, you can write that money off. You can't with NIL. And so it is truly a donation where the donor gets little to no benefit other than a satisfaction of knowing they're helping their favorite school. And at some point, the returns on that are not going to match the investment. You know, maybe they do it Alabama. That's one thing. I, you know, Alabama, it, it's a family, right? People take a lot of pride in that. Same thing at LSU. And, and I, LSU may be the biggest example of it. And people talk about A&M being a cult. Well, if that, that's the case, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you'd call LSU, but everybody in that state can't do enough to help LSU. I don't know if you guys remember this. You remember when uh, Ryan Perilou got in trouble? 
at LSU, some of you guys don't remember. When Sylvester Croom was here, we nearly pulled the, 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 the upset off, and we got Ryan Perilou to commit and sign with Mississippi State in favor of LSU. Uh, he ends up going to, um, to LSU. That doesn't work out. But while he was down there, there was an incident, allegedly, uh, between Perilou and some friends and some other patrons. Some people were just eating dinner there, and some, some food ends up being thrown, words are exchanged. Uh, the police were called, I believe. And so it makes the papers. It's a big deal. I mean, of course, the Internet wasn't what it is today. Nowadays, you do anything, and it's going to be on social media within a matter of moments. But he wasn't videoed. But nevertheless, when it was all said and done, they went and interviewed the manager of the restaurant who lied. He got up there and said that, oh, they were, yes, they were here. They had a fine meal. They behaved like gentlemen. There was no incident. Well, then all the other witnesses refuted the testimony. But it was so easy, like, hey, this guy's protecting LSU. So then what happens, of course, is all the other people that feel that way about LSU are like, well, hey, this guy's a good tiger. We got to go patronize that business. We got to go support him for standing up for LSU. Not about what's right or wrong. We're willing to overlook the fact that some other customers of ours were harassed by an LSU player, allegedly. And so as a result, it looked like it might go away. Ultimately, it didn't. It was just a string of incidents with Perilou, and eventually you know, he was gone. And I don't know if he would have done the same thing here. You know, There are some people that just need to grow up. It doesn't matter where they live. They just got to find a way to get some level of maturity. And maybe Sylvester Crim would have been good for him. I don't know. Maybe Woody McClory would have been good for him. Don't know. May have changed the trajectory of this program. I don't know, because we were pretty quarterback poor at times under Sylvester Croom. All due respect to every Bulldog that wore the maroon and white. But all that said, is those people are going to give. Doesn't matter who you are, they have, you know, they have the Taft Foundation, and uh, they're going to give. It's a rite of passage, and they're proud to do it. And I don't know that we share that same sense of pride within our fan base. I know there's some Ole Miss people that do. You know, they – it's about what they can do, and they'll always brag. And you know, I've, I've said before, Ole Miss folks would lie even if the truth was better, and I think they have lied tremendously about this NIL stuff. Uh, but all that said, we have been one of these fan bases, in my estimation, and I've been a Bulldog my whole life, so I feel like that I've, I'm entitled to say this, is you know, we've got a lot of people that just think it's somebody else's responsibility. And so I think what needs to happen now is, number one, we got to do a better job as a fan base. But number two, they've got to give people more incentive to give. You can't just say, hey, we need you to give just for the sake of giving. And so there are some things that are in works uh, to make that a little more accessible. You know, maybe you can uh, give and then your NIL dollars will maybe count towards something more than just NIL. And so the, I don't have all the details yet, so I don't want to push that out there and then it be incorrect and you come back later and say, well, Steve, I misunderstood. Well, no, I'm the one misunderstanding. So I don't want to get put out in the complete information just yet. Uh, but NIL is changing. And I like what I've heard. I like some of the ideas that uh, Jay Perry and the athletic department has kind of moving forward. And they'll roll that out when they're ready. But again, the, the one thing that I'll share with you that uh, I think is great is we've got a new NIL store that's going to open August 1st. We are uh, changing vendors, and uh, I'm not going to say anything negative about any of our previous vendors. We appreciate our 
previous relationship and all your contributions to us, but uh, we're moving forward. So a new NIL shop will open uh, August 1st. I believe that's right, August 1st. And uh, you'll have the ability to buy jerseys or numbered named memorabilia where the players themselves get a, prop, a, a portion of proceeds. So now, you know, the, the big part of that too is, is you know, how does that impact our local vendors, right? I mean, that's, that's part of the deal too. Now all of a sudden the university becomes competition you know, for your local vendors. So that's the thing to consider too, but not everybody's gonna wear a jersey, right? I mean, you, you may buy a jersey for your kids. I mean, if you could get you know, used to, when I was a kid, you, the only jersey you got, the number you got was like whatever the year it was, like if, you know, if we're playing, uh, you know, 2015, you got the jersey with 15 on it, which worked out good because Dak Prescott was here, right? I was not, wasn't a kid then. I had kids in. But if you could go out and get a jersey of your favorite player, you're going to do that. But you're not going to do that regularly. But how many Mississippi State shirts do you have, right? I mean, how many polos do you have? How many Mississippi State T-shirts do you have? And so there's enough bread to go around. But – I do think there will be some level of impact in jersey sales when you can buy your favorite player specifically, no matter the sport. And you're going to have the ability to do that uh, through the NIL store. And I think that's exciting, and it's going to be the real maroon. It's going to be Mississippi State maroon and not uh, crimson, as some other companies did. When you ordered your NAFL championship shirt, you were so excited to get it, you opened up that package, and rather than having that beautiful maroon, it's crimson. It doesn't work, and you probably wore it anyway because you just wanted, you know, wanted to celebrate. Many of you sent them back, and they gave you a refund. Uh, the point being is that um, you're going to have other opportunities here, and then that money in turn will go to NIL. But we're about to see changes, and I'm eager to see what they discuss and how they formulate a plan to kind of get their arms around this. It is absolutely out of control, absolutely out of control. So a lot of uh, talking points will come out of SEC uh, meetings this week. All right, final segment of the show brought to you, as always, by the fine folks at Portico. If I was moving to Starkville now, that's where I'd move. There wouldn't even, I wouldn't even think about it, right? I'm so convinced that's the place that you should be. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. I'm out here in the sticks, and I can be honest with you, so many times I think about that, you know, what if I sold this house and moved to town? I have a lot less grass to cut and a lot less property maintained, but I'd also... Uh, have some neighbors, and sometimes it's a good thing. But I kind of enjoy not having you guys around when I'm trying to rest and write and things like that. But your new neighbors are already living a high life there in Portico. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two's under development. A few of those homes remain available for sale. And then you can always pick out a lot in the housing plan if maybe they don't have one that fits exactly what you want. But how cool would it be to be that close to campus? That way all your friends and neighbors and everybody that you know from back home uh, could come by and visit you on their way to campus. It's a cool thing. And then mom, grandma, you can have a place where all of your little bulldogs can come and spend the, the, the night with Nene and Papaw, right? Right there on campus because uh, I can assure you your kids would love to be able to go out and uh, enjoy some adult beverages or a night out in their favorite college town and you can take care of the kids. How convenient would that be? Maybe it's your primary residence. Maybe it's an investment property. Uh, maybe it's your future retirement home. Either way, they have a plan for you. Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryant at 601-416-8075. Again, at 601-416-8075. And uh, get your questions answered. Make Portico your 
next move. All right, let's kind of clean up here at the end. Uh, didn't talk about it at the uh, oh, in the open, talking about baseball transfers. So uh, a lot of people get panicked, and I see these posts on Facebook groups, and uh, I say this all the time. I love all of you, but some of you make my head hurt. I mean, honestly. It's like all of a sudden a player you've never heard of, at no point in your life have you heard of this player, and they leave, and we take that personally. Oh, my gosh, are we even going to be able to fill the team this year? Well, yeah, we are. Because we're going to have some incoming transfers, too. And not to mention, too, no matter how well-mannered or how nice a guy appears to be, if he can't play, I don't want him here. Not on a baseball scholarship. You know, he, he can go get a leadership scholarship or something to be a great student and go major in political science or English and uh, conduct science experiments and have a great life and meet a wonderful bulldog girl and then go out and get married and produce a bunch of bulldog pups. It'd be great. I don't need those guys in a dugout, though. I need guys, I need dogs in a dugout. That's what I need. I need dogs. I need Tanner Allens. I need Jody Hurst. I need Pete Youngs. Uh, I need Jeffrey Rays. You know, I need people like that. I need people that are going to be dogs. And so sometimes they're not the nicest. And, you know, we got some guys that are a little rough around the edges now. But when guys leave, it is usually for the right reason, usually. But if they're going to come here and have four years of eligibility, in baseball it's even different, you know, because, you know, in football sometimes you, you, you're here for five years, right? You may redshirt, right, and you don't get drafted, so you're here for five years. Baseball is much different. Three years removed from high school, these guys can get drafted. So you get three years. You know, when football you get five, basketball you may get five. You're three years removed from high school, you can get drafted. And so these guys have got to get on a field somewhere. It's not a personal thing. And, yes, they love Mississippi State, but they love baseball even more. And the guys that are successful love Mississippi State baseball with all their hearts. But if they're not going to get on the field, they're wrong to stay. And not to mention, we need that spot for somebody that can't. If a guy can't play here, he needs to leave. And don't take it personal. And sometimes this is our decision. Well, we're losing these guys. No, they're losing us. There's a difference. That's not to say that everybody that leaves, we, you know, we're, we're overjoyed about by any stretch. But, you know, guys, understand you have a limited time in life to play ball, period. And you got to get on the field. Your parents are paying an awful lot of money, and nobody pays to sit on the bench, right? Now, years ago, you know, the, some of our donors' kids would had no baseball talent whatsoever would get a chance to sit on the bench and be a, quote, walk-on. Thinks, oh, I played at State. Well, you know, you're on the roster. Uh, big difference right? Big difference. Now that there's roster limits, but, uh, but all that said, we're going to have some incoming traffic. That should be our focus as a fan base. Not about who's leaving, about who's coming. Of course, you know, there, there could be some names leave that we don't want to leave. That's going to be worthy of your discussion. But when it's a guy that, you know, like, I, like this Ryan Williams thing, listen, Ryan's a talented player, but do you blame Ryan Williams for leaving? He got hurt when he got here, finally getting healthy, and then his classmate is the starting catcher. So what's he going to do, catch midweeks? You know, he's got to go somewhere he can compete. We, we're going to have an incumbent starter next year. But let's not go lose our minds because some catcher you, you've never heard of or you never saw on the field has left the program. I can't. I remember last year uh, during the spring, or this past year, we, we had a walk-on quarterback go in the portal, and people wrote articles about it. 
The kid never played a snap and never dressed for a game. And then people are like, well, what, what does this mean? I don't understand. Well, it's not even newsworthy. It's not worth the story. It's not worth the time it took to type that up. It's not of interest. You know, baseball is a little different. But let's not react every time somebody hits a portal because you're going to have some traffic coming in. Of course, you got Nate Lamb already. We discussed him at length earlier this week on the show. Um, but that's the first commitment. And then, of course, for the first commitment, people are like, oh, I thought things were going to be different. Guys, it's one commitment. Settle down. Again, I love you all. Some of you make my head hurt. It's not like we said, okay, this is our Friday night starter. Oh, this guy's coming from D2. Listen, he may get here and set the woods on fire. He may be amazing. We don't know that. But if you think we're going to go out here at the very first commitment and say, okay, well, this, you know, this is our guy. Guys, the portal just opened yesterday. Just yesterday. And all of a sudden, some guys go in the portal, and all of a sudden, your coaches start following them on social media. You know, so obviously, they're having some type of connection with them, having a conversation with them, kind of figuring this thing out. I'm just going to encourage everybody, let's just take a deep breath here. Let's take a deep breath. Do it with me. One, two, three. <gasps> Doesn't that feel better? Serenity now. Serenity now. Just do it. Relax. Worrying about it's not going to change anything. <clears throat> it's not going to change anything. There's not going to be a, one other player commit to us or transfer here because you worried about it. I know you love Mississippi State. And maybe you are concerned about it. Well, let's not get out there and you know, just get on social media and just have diarrhea of the keyboard and just kind of put everything out there. You know, I, di- I just disagree with every bit of that. I mean, it's like you, you got a player coming you don't know anything about. You know nothing about him. Never seen him pitch. Never watched him in a game. And we're going to overreact? Just relax. Just relax. It would be one thing if this is the only pitcher we took. Right? And I think Nate's going to be okay. I think he could be a big piece for us. Do I think he's the Friday night starter? No, I don't. Do I think he's a Saturday night starter? No, I don't. But somebody has to be. And we're going to go out there and chase a number one and a number two. And we're going to get as much competition as we can that the roster will allow. And we're going to get to work and hopefully get this thing turned around. A lot of people keep asking about the uh, pitching coach situation. Um, I'll tell you, there's nothing new to report. And I think that's a good thing, as I kind of touched on on Monday. Usually when there are openings, we hear a ton of, ton of traffic, a ton of chatter. There's this, there's that. And, of course, a lot of people now, of course, kind of glued in with the SEC uh, meetings down there. Uh, so there are a lot of people, obviously, that uh, within our, our media circle and, and our source circle that uh, is preoccupied right now. They're not thinking about the pitching coach. But the fact that we're not getting a lot of traffic out there about uh, the job, and it's not just us, but it's even the college baseball national media, you're not hearing much from them either. And to me, I think it's a good thing because I think it probably means we're close. And maybe we've already reached an agreement with somebody. Maybe we hadn't been able to finalize that or formalize the agreement, but I think, I think we probably, probably have a good idea who our pitching coach is going to be. And I'm going to leave it at that. But, again, that's not anything to worry about. People are like, well, Steve, you know, how can we go out here and get, uh, you know, these guys to, to pitchers to commit to us without knowing who's going to coach them? I, I have the same concern. But what if, and just kind of stay here with me, what if, maybe, just maybe, 
that uh, when Chris Simonis has these discussions with these pitchers, maybe he's like making them hip to what we're going to do. And says, hey, don't tell anybody, but we've already got an agreement with so-and-so. Well, that guy's not going to go be, and be interviewed by any of us and say, yeah, hey, listen, breaking news, Lamontis told me off the record, well, then all of a sudden his scholarship's pulled. You can't trust that kid, right? But I think it also shows, too, the fact that if that's the case, and I believe there is some of that, that Lamontis is saying, hey, I'm telling you something in confidence because I trust you. Because if it got out there, right, if it got out there, because if it goes to one kid, it's going to go to another and another and another, and it would be over social media, we'd find out. College baseball is a little different, though. People are more willing to keep secrets. Kind of interesting how that works. But something like this, it's difficult to keep this kind of stuff a secret because there are so many people out there that uh, are willing to share things. Just kind of part of how life works. And so that's where we are on that. Now, uh, as I've said a couple times, and I'm going to repeat it, we're going to be very, very, very aggressive in the portal when it comes to pitching and at third base. And uh, I've been told, again, if there is a difference maker at another position that wants to come, obviously we would be fools not to take them. Uh, you heard some names out there about some outfielders, and uh, we returned one starting outfielder, you know, Colton Ledbetter, again, now projected to go with the top 50 picks in the draft. He's not coming back. And people are like, well, I don't understand. Wouldn't they want to fix it? Do you know how much money that's going to cost them? Well, we got NIL. Have you contributed? No? Then don't bring that up. If you're not contributing to NIL, don't say, well, somebody from NIL ought to pay for this. You know, And sure, there's some guys out there that maybe will get peanuts this year, and then you can influence them to come back, but then they'll get peanuts next year. And you got to think, too, the thing about this long term, you know, a lot of these guys are ready to begin their professional careers. They're tired of going to school, right? They came here, they were hoping you know, to have an opportunity to go pro after the junior year. They can always come back and finish. They can study online if they're so inclined. But this is a means to an end. They don't just all come here for the love of Mississippi State. They come here in hopes of getting an education, boosting their pro potential, and getting the opportunity to be drafted and then begin their professional careers. A lot of these guys, too, already have serious girlfriends. They're ready to get married. And those girls are ready to buy a house, and those, they're ready to begin their life together. And it's like, oh, you want another year in college? And everybody's a little bit different. It's true. You know, Luke Hancock got married last year. You know, when, I won't say we begged, but, you know, we certainly recruited him to come back. And he did. He didn't have the year we had hoped for, but uh, I'll forever be indebted to Luke Hancock. The guy's a true bulldog, man. And he came back with every intention to trying to fix things this year. I mean, that was that's what we wanted. Yeah, and Luke was here for the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows. But um, that guy gave us all from Mississippi State. He did. So let's uh, make sure that uh, we're all kind of on the same page here. And, again, give everybody a little room to breathe. Okay, because, you know, things are going to change rapidly. We're going to have new commitments, and we'll interview them, and then they'll report to campus, and then we'll have fall baseball. I mean, it's – guys, it's going to be June tomorrow. And then less than, uh, what, not around 90 days from there, we're going to be playing a college football game, and they're going to be back on the, bra- the practice field for baseball. I'm excited about that too. And there's not really a lot of offseason anymore with any of the sports that, that we cover or we follow. But it's hanging here with us. There will be some new names that will come in. And uh, there'll be some guys from G5 programs that have had really good careers that come and be a part of our program. 
and some people are going to be critical without knowing anything about them. Well, I thought we'd go get the first baseman from LSU. Well, no, why would you do that? So that's not what's going to happen. There'll be some stars that go in the portal, but a lot of those guys are going to be G5 guys. And remember, just like we had last year with Bill Knight, you may have a guy that gets drafted and then ultimately decides not to continue his college career. And uh, that's always fine, too. So there's always that risk, too, especially when you're dealing with older guys. All right, if you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com. Uh, you can get a copy of Dogpile. You can get a copy of Alpha Dogs. You can get a copy of Bloom's Oleander from Amazon. You can get a copy of Flim Flam also from the Dogpile website. Uh, Father's Day is coming up June 18th. And so if you've been on the fence, it's like, oh, I've been meaning to do that. Stop and do it now. Go ahead and get yourself a signed copy for Dad. And Mom, if Dad's not a big reader, he'll probably read Dogpile, and he'll probably read Flim Flam too. So if you're thinking about that, even if uh, he just needs it for his man cave, we can accommodate you. And uh, we'll have pre-orders for the new book available very, very soon. They tell me that uh, we will have a graphic for the cover soon. Uh, matter of fact, yesterday they had me write up a synopsis for the book jacket, you know, like the little 150-word deal like that. And uh, we're going to do some things that are be exciting. You know, on the, on the back, it'll be a picture of me and my lovely wife. And uh, she's going to write the forward. It's going to be kind of a family affair this go around. But uh, I'm excited about the book. I'm a little tired of writing, but I may kind of pick at some things this evening to kind of move the story along. And uh, it's going to be a, about between 60 and 70,000 words. And for those of you that, that wonder about that, uh, Flam Flam, Alpha Dogs, and uh, Stark Billings are all around 75,000 words. Dog piles more. This one budgeted for a little bit less, but, uh, but we'll come in somewhere around 60 to 70,000 words. So it'll be a nice book. It won't be quite as thick as uh, Dogpile, uh, but it'll be the same size. And uh, looking forward to you guys having it. Of course, we're hoping to have it out uh, September, October, certainly for the holidays. And if you have people in your life that have been impacted by addiction, whether in active addiction or in recovery, I think it's a book that uh, will be beneficial to you. Uh, but many of the life lessons that I'm going to share in there are not just necessarily restricted to recovery. It could be any facet of your life. And so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, my wife told me yesterday, I'm so proud of you for doing this, for putting all this out there, because I would never be able to do that. I would never be willing to put those things out there. But I'm not doing it to say, hey, look at what all Steve has overcome. I'm doing it to help people that are suffering. And there are a lot of people that are suffering. We get so caught up sometimes and ball games and concerts and things like that, we forget there are some people out there that are really dealing with some issues that many of us don't comprehend. I've, I've, one of my favorite memes, I see it all the time, and I've seen it in pictures and I've seen it in images uh, shared on social media, I've seen it framed. It says, just remember that the person you encounter may be dealing with a, with a crisis that you know nothing about. And that's how it was for me. I was a functioning drug addict until I wasn't. And so we're going to share some of that. It's a book that I think that I was probably born to write. And it would be a shame if I didn't share uh, the knowledge and, of course, the gifts that have been given to me that have been passed down through the years about recovery in hopes of helping other people. So uh, be sure and check in with us uh, on that. We'll share the pre-order link uh, on social media as soon as it's available. In addition, if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, and many of you should be, go to StarkVillains.com. You can get a Stark Villains shirt. Uh, you can get a Stark Villain hoodie. It's difficult to think that it'll be hoodie weather soon, but it will be. We're about to go through summer, and then we'll, you'll want those Stark and hoodies uh, during the fall. And if you're not a member of jeanspage.com, what are you doing with your life? Come join our merry band of maroon misfits and come contribute 
over there and uh, great discussions. And you may not like everybody. That's okay. Not everybody's going to like you. And that's not just indicative of Gene's page. That's life. But uh, we're all similarly situated in our love for Mississippi State. And uh, nobody gets a better job of covering Mississippi State athletics than we do. Test me on that. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments. Get started at Chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank NA or Stride Bank NA. Members FDIC. Results may vary. See Chime.com for details. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com slash disclosures for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.